This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called Why Culture is Key. My guest today is Josh Cunningham. Josh is the founder and CEO of Rockerbox, an inside sales company that helps real estate companies turn internet leads into clients. Josh has hired and trained more than 400 inside sales agents, and along the way, he has gained deep experience and knowledge on developing company culture that attracts the best talent and drives success. His website, fivestarcompanyculture.com, helps business leaders foster a positive work environment that empowers employees, satisfies customers, and paves the way for enduring success. Josh Cunningham, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. Very excited to be here today. Yeah, very happy to have you. And When we started this conversation offline, you talked about the fact that you built Rockerbox um, in College Station, Texas, where you're sitting right now, by hiring a lot of people straight off of the Texas A&M campus, a lot of young college students. So, um, you know, this idea of building a company culture and, and bringing so many people into the fold who never had really held a serious, you know, post-collegiate job, I think it's kind of a remarkable story. And, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. Um, yeah. On your website, you share three keys to create a culture of success. Number one, consistency. Number two, predictability. Number three, world-class customer service. I want to break down all three, starting with number one, consistency. What do you mean by consistency and why is it so critical to create a culture of success? Yeah. So, you know, like you said, we, uh, we, we started a business in 2013 in the real estate space. There was a, a very, uh, very big pain point that a lot of real estate professionals and team owners had where they were generating an abundance of leads and their agents were doing a terrible job of following up with those leads. So like any good entrepreneur, if you find a problem first and you yeah. figure it out second, then you can go and sell that to the people in need of that. So that was kind of the model, but, uh, not only did I find a problem, but in how I was going to solve that, you know, I needed some talent, some, some people to, to pick up the phone and make some phone calls and have some energy and have some enthusiasm. And it's obviously a plus being, you know, based here stateside, you know, not overseas where English is a second language. And so, you know, I went to school at Texas A&M University. It's a very tradition rich university. I don't know if you've ever caught an Aggie game on television, but there's lots mm -hmm. of silly stuff that we do in the crowd. We stand up the whole game. They, they have yell leaders instead of cheerleaders and a lot of other fun traditions. Um, and so I thought, well, why don't I just go back to College Station, Texas and hire all these sharp and enthusiastic college students who are looking for part-time opportunities to build their resume, 
create some experiences, learn some skills that are going to set them apart from their peers that they're sitting in the classroom with every single day. And so that was the initial hallucination. That was the initial idea <laughs> for the business. And yeah. like I said, it started 10 years ago. And um, here we are 10 years later, we've hired and trained over 400 Texas A&M students to do this work, which is the work that other people didn't want to do. And the reason why we've made it a winning formula is because uh, of our company culture. And the first thing you talked about was consistency. And um, one of the things that I, I'm very proud of, of being quoted for many times by our team here is I say that it's only as big of a deal as you make it. And that goes two ways. You know, one way when we're teaching our, our team here how to prospect over the phone, if you've ever done any type of sales prospecting, you know that you're going to face some rejection, you know that you're going to mess up on your scripts or your objection handlers. But you know what? It's only as big of a deal as you make it. It's really not mm -hmm. that big a deal at all. And so that's a, a good, good methodology for, for brushing it off, letting it, you know, roll off your back and move on to the next call. But on the flip side of that, you got to think about it as a business, as an organization, every single little thing that happens in your company, well, it's only as big of a deal as you make it, you know? So if someone's celebrating a one-year anniversary and they clock in and clock out and go home and nobody mentions anything to them, it's really not that big of a deal, you know? Yeah. If, uh, if somebody, you know, scores their first opportunity or, or has, a, a, you know, their, their all-time, you know, uh, number of points in a day, and you don't say anything about it, then guess what? It's really not that big of a deal. So it's the consistency comes from making the little things a big deal. And we mm -hmm. do that in lots of different ways in our organization, but anything that you measure, you can improve. So if there's something that's happening in your business and you're not measuring it, guess what? It's really not that big of a deal. And how are you ever going to improve that? How are you ever going to grow upon those results and celebrate those successes? So you know, again, we've taken the work that these real estate, highly paid real estate professionals did not want to do, but it's really some of the most important work in their business. It's the first step of the sales funnel. And we made it a big deal. We made it important. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge people's successes. We coach people on every single one of their calls to increase their skills. And we've, we've shined a spotlight on this work that most other people might think is mundane and monotonous, and we've made it important. And that's really where the consistency comes from. And, uh, you know, many times when I'm, when I'm working with consulting clients, uh, this is really kind of one of the first uh, holes in their business is they, they look at their high income producing activities and they make that important, which there's nothing wrong with you. You should obviously make that important. But then they look at all the other stuff leading up to that high income producing activities as not important. And they, they can't figure out why. Why is it that I'm on my 10th assistant? Or why is it that, you know, my, my intern, I can't get them to do this or the other? All they have to do is this. Like, well, if that's the way you think about it, then why would anybody think of it as being that important? So the consistency comes from looking at all the different activities in your business and giving importance, giving meaning, giving care uh, to those things in your business. And so um, we do that on a day in day out basis. You know, we have daily huddles, we have monthly masterminds, we have uh, weekly leadership meetings. So there's a constant feedback loop where we're measuring our performance and then we're reporting back to people where we're at, where we can be, where we need to improve. And so that's one of the keys to, to consistency and creating that in your culture. I love that. I love that. And you, you use the word care, which is mm -hmm. so important. You're demonstrating care in the process that that the work, every task is important and and you're demonstrating care in that regard. It's a it's your birthday. We care about you. All of those things are important. And it it there's a parallel to this in marketing. They say in marketing that 
the number one reason that a customer chooses not to renew, not to buy again, not to come back, is not because they've grown dissatisfied with the product or service. That, of course, can be a factor. But the mm. number one reason is because they feel taken for granted, ignored, mm. not cared for. So mm -hmm. I have a feeling we're going to get more into that in a moment when we talk about the third uh, key to creating a culture of success. But let's move on to the second one first, which is predictability. What do you mean by predictability? Yeah, and just to, to touch on that care element, I always remind people that the, the worst uh, punishment known to man, uh, besides the death penalty, is mm -hmm. solitary confinement, is stripping someone away from their ability to connect with others. So mm -hmm. that's the worst punishment that we could administer to the worst criminals on planet Earth. Let's think about the opposite of that, right? How can we, how can we add that human connection to our business and, and care for people. So second thing here you're talking about is predictability. So, you know, I started the business 10 years ago with this hallucination that, hey, I'm going to help people solve this problem. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it this way. You know, I start, uh, you know, moving through the, the, the process and figuring out what was the best investment of human capital to generate the best return on investment for these online leads for real estate professionals. And so in the early days, you know, our, we were, we were blowing and going, the, the team was growing. There was obviously a lot of pent up demand in the market already for the solution that we were providing. And I can remember that, uh, you know, one of the first summers of growth for us, um, you know, we had hired a small team. We were really working on, you know, delivering exceptional results for our clients. And, uh, you know, the team was showing up every single day with, with that energy and enthusiasm that we were hoping to get by hiring these, uh, you know, college students. And, um, we suddenly realized that now we've got more than one person working on the same goal. And that's great. The problem was they were all kind of doing it their own way. You know, mm -hmm. how many of you have ever experienced that before where you've got this, this one primary task in your business and everybody's doing it their own way. I'm sure you can relate. So I began to notice that every single employee on the team, you know, had their own unique habits, whether it was the scripts they were using, whether it was how they were logging their notes inside of the CRM, you know, how they were handling certain objections that, that, that the clients would give them over the phone. I, I mean, you name it. If it was a, a variable in the process, it was done a, many, a million different ways. And yeah. so, um, you know, it, it was a little frustrating. You know, I had, had this room of all this conflicting information being shared, these ambiguous best practices. You know, there was a glaring lack of clarity into, like, what the expectations were. And, um, you know, I could see that that was going to really impact the scalability, the ability to duplicate results for our clients to create a positive team culture. I mean, um, there was a lot of a lot of glaring issues on the horizon. And so what I decided was, you know, um, rather than bear the weight of all of this frustration on my own to have to create some type of a, a manual or a standard operating procedure. You know, I'm, I'm the type of guy who, who doesn't read instruction manuals. So uh -huh. the idea of creating one, you know, had me about as anxious as a cat at a dog show, you know, <laughs> All right. uh, I'm sure many of you can relate to that as well. And so I thought long and hard about, you know, how am I going to fix this problem? Right? I don't want to write the manual. I don't want to have to be the one with all the answers. I don't want to have to be the one telling everybody the, the right way to do things. And so it made me think back to one of the, the, the classics, the, the business classics. Uh, how many of you ever heard of Think and Grow Rich, right? Oh, Napoleon yeah. Hill. And so for those who don't know, Napoleon Hill, he studied approximately 500 of the most successful wealthy people in the world. 
and started looking for their common habits and rituals. And he found the 13 top common characteristics and we don't have time to go through all of them, but the one that really stuck out to me to, to help me solve this problem was masterminding and not just with other successful people in the industry, but with your own team. And so I thought to myself, well, if masterminding is good enough for the most successful people in business history, then it should be good enough for me and my team. So ever since that day, we've started implementing monthly masterminds into our business where everyone on the team, whether they've been with us for a week or a decade, they come out, we'll set aside some time once a month. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a voluntary experience. So we don't pay, we don't, nobody clocks in for this. Uh, I do bribe them with free food, right? Never uh -huh. underestimate the value of free food, no matter what uh -huh. anybody's income uh -huh. level is. But we all come out and um, we start strategizing, you know, what is working really well in our business and what, what is not working well in our business? Where's the ambiguity coming from? Where are those, you know, those, the, the lack of clarity? You know, I've seen people do this more than one way, or I think this is really inefficient. This, this takes seven steps. Could it take less than that? And so we very quickly begin developing the systems and the processes and the best practices and the standard operating procedures immediately through this, this, this facilitated interaction called a mastermind. And we still use a lot of these business practices 10 years later in their business yeah. active. And so it, what it did was it created a sense of ownership. So everybody was involved in the decision-making. So my team actually had a stake in the systems because we were co-creating them to help solve our problems together. So, you know, there's a lot of pride that comes in that for everybody who's involved in the process. And the best part of it was, that that weight was just lifted off my shoulders. You know, I, yeah. I no longer had to be the one to come up with all the ideas. And so I had an, a truly empowered team. And uh, that's really, you know, one of the ways to create predictability in your business is to take the weight off your shoulders, empower your people and have them help you build your, your systems and your processes with you. That's how you get predictability. Yeah, that's beautiful. There are so many so many powerful and important things that you talked about. And I'm going to bring it back to marketing again, because mm -hmm. one of the things that is hardest for people who are trying to market their business is this sense that every time they sit down in front of a computer screen and have a blank screen in front of them, that it's, it's this magical act of creation. The muse has to strike. Something has to come from nowhere. But really, when you do things properly, it's an act of not magic, it's an act of assembly. And what you're doing is you're gathering pieces, putting processes in place. And so each time you sit down to do whatever the process may be, write an email for a marketing purpose or solve a problem uh, for a customer or provide, uh, uh, try, to, try to sell a lead on the telephone. There's a predictable set of steps. There's mm -hmm. a process. And, and that's, that's such a key principle in really every facet of business. And, and it seems like you're mastering that in, in your business. The second thing that you talked about that really is so, so, so important is that sense of ownership, that sense mm -hmm. of, of really what you're talking about at its heart is delegation, not dictating from on high, this is how it's going to be, but mm -hmm. having the, the team create the systems and processes and co-own those systems and processes. And I know from my experience as a manager that that is so key to having buy-in and having people want to improve in the work uh, that they're doing. And, and so congratulations for, for getting that part uh, uh, 
so buttoned down. And finally, you mentioned that in the end, the reason that you're doing this, at least from the perspective of the business owner, is it takes so much of the weight off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's such a huge thing. So for all of you out there who are listening to this and who are wondering, well, why should I pay attention to this? Why is this culture thing so important? In the end, what it's about is, yeah, running a better business. But for you personally, mm. it takes weight off your shoulders. It allows you to trust your people in ways that you might not otherwise do. It allows you to be confident that more things will get done. And and you noted that really, really well. You've told me offline that, hey, you were able to hop in a trailer when COVID hit and, and spin around the country with your wife. You wouldn't have been able to do that if you'd not built the consistency and the predictability into your business. Exactly. Yeah. To me, culture is freedom. You know, it's the, it's the foundation that we build the skyscraper on, um, you know, in addition to traveling the country in an RV for four years. You know, the business is here in College Station, Texas. I lived in downtown San Diego for five years. Um because I had that freedom, you know, a lot of people get into business seeking freedom and what they wind up creating, they wake up one day and realize they're, they're, they're living in this prison that they built for themselves, yeah. where they're working 80 hours a week, they're fighting every fire, they can't, you know, take more than a weekend off. And uh, for me, the, you know, culture was the foundation for yeah. finding that, that success and that freedom as a business owner. Yeah, exactly. And you also reminded me of a book that I love that you may know, uh, called Work the System by Sam Carpenter. Um, really, really great book that I, I recommend to everybody, you know, check in with Josh first, but, uh, also go get this book. His, his principle is the core idea of that book is that the CEO is responsible for establishing and perpetuating the, the grand vision and mission for the company. But in the end, it has to be the people in the company who are actually defining the systems and processes and co-owning the systems and processes, not the CEO saying, do this, step one, mm -hmm. step two, step three. And mm -hmm. you seem to have mastered that in, in, uh, in your business. Third thing, world-class customer service. We hinted at this a little bit earlier, but why is it so critical, especially when we're talking about the culture of a company and the experience of the, the employees and the team members? are having yeah and you know to really tie this in with the last comment that you made about you know the the ceo being the visionary of the company you know as business owners we're always chasing results we're measuring our results we're looking at the results it's 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 the final score at the end of the day you know the balance in the bank account um but let's 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 rewind that process back into where those results come from the results come from the actions that we take and the actions that we take are inspired by the feelings, by the psychological and emotional state that we're involved in. And that comes from really our belief system. And so as a business owner, that's what you're in charge of is creating the belief system within your organization, those core values, right? The mission, the purpose. And so if you can find people that believe in what you believe in, then you're going to make them feel a certain way when they show up to work. And those feelings are going to inspire them to take good actions. And those good actions normally come from big, uh, show up with great results. And so that ties really into this world-class customer service, because ultimately at the end of the day, we're all in the business to help people solve problems, right? Someone hires us to help them solve a problem and that's our customer. So we got to keep those customers happy. In fact, that's one of our core values here at Rockerbox is the only source of job security is a satisfied customer. 
right? If, right. if you're not here satisfying a customer, what are we doing? You know, we're just spinning our wheels. And so for me, customer satisfaction comes from the start, which is loving and taking care of your employees. Because if your employees are thoroughly satisfied in the work that they do, then they're going to deliver great, exceptional results to your customers. And the way that you do that is by making sure that you magnetically attract the right talent and you keep them around. And yep. if you have a culture that's strong enough, it's also going to repel the wrong talent from your organization. So this reminds me a lot of another story from the early days at Rockerbox. Um, you know, we were uh, blown and going, we had identified this big problem. You know, we were growing uh, incredibly fast and um, immediately we started kind of having a hiring issue. You know, a lot of people I'm sure have faced this before where you're just like, oh my gosh, we got to keep up with the man. Let's hire everybody. So, you know, we're calling the, applica the applicants, we're, we're bringing them in for an interview. If they had a pulse, they were hired right on the spot, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm, maybe if some of you have used some of these hiring practices before in the past, we are definitely guilty of that. And, uh, you know, this was kind of our method as we were, you know, just keeping up with demand and trying to keep the staff, you know, staffed up. And, and one day we had this young man, he came in for his first training shift and <clears throat> let's say his name is Doug, right? So, you know, when you have a new team member, it's just really exciting. You know, you get you get the really fuzzy, warm feeling inside because you know that you're going to get some stuff off your plate. You got some new person finally on the team and you're going to offload some stuff and they're going to start doing all these things. You've already made it up in your mind that they're going to take on the, all this responsibility. And so we paired him up with his his trainer for the shift. Her name was McKinley. And she's sharing with him that the stuff that he's going to start doing and how he's going to help us out and what his roles are going to be and his responsibilities and all the different ways he's going to be a part of the team. And uh, it's very exciting. You know, we're about 30 minutes into Doug's training shift and uh, he, he politely asks to go to the restroom. Yeah, no problem. So <laughs> five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, you know, 15 minutes later. Okay. Now we're a little worried. Did this guy fall in? Is he okay? Is someone need to go check on him? So McKinley asked another guy in the office, hey, can you go check on, on Doug in the bathroom? And he asked to go to the bathroom 15, 20 minutes ago. And that's when her suspicions were confirmed that he was gone, long yeah. gone, like a blockbuster yeah. video store. He was poof, vanished, right? <laughs> and you know, it was heartbreaking because, you know, my trainer McKinley, she was one of our top employees. She was just yeah. absolutely heartbroken. You know, she, of course, thought that she had done something wrong. But, right. you know, once again, as a leader, that's on me, right? The failure was on me, the leader of the organization. We had failed to make it clear to all of our new employees exactly what the expectations of the role entailed. And so we didn't set the standard for how highly of a productive work environment we were going to be involved in and whether or not they were going to be able to meet or exceed that. And so because of that, you know, we're bringing the wrong people into the organization. You know, how many of you have ever noticed that people always show the best version of themselves in an interview? True or true? Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your business is going to be the right fit for them. And yeah. so now we're running the risk of having the wrong people in the wrong seat, on the wrong bus, heading in the wrong direction. And those are the type of people who are just going to you know, drag their feet, punching in, punching out, till they finally muster up the courage to quit or you know, do something really dumb enough to get fired or, hey, like Doug, at least he had the, the courageous, you know, yeah. <laughs> foresight to just disappear on day one. Right. Yeah. And so having that kind of turnover in your business becomes really expensive in many different ways. Yeah. And uh, so what we did was we decided to implement one of the most effective tools in our hiring process. Uh, it saved us countless hours, endless amount of you know money, heartache, headache, um, you know, you name it. Uh, but, you know, 
I always like to say smart people learn from their mistakes, but smarter people learn from other mistakes. So here's, mm-hmm. this, is, this is my gift to you today. Learn from my mistake, right? What we implemented is what we call an observation. And so in our observation, it goes a little something like this. So we're at the end of the in-person interview and we're face-to-face with the candidate and we're impressed with them, right? We think they've got it all. They've got all the skills that it takes to do the work that we want them to do. But again, remember, it's not about, you know, them being the right fit for us. It's about us being the right fit for them as well. So, you know, we would say to them, hey, you know, Tom, really impressed with your with your qualifications today. You know, I really enjoyed getting to know you. The next step in our interview process is to invite you back for an observation. We're going to pair you up with one of the most senior associates on the team, and they're going to give you a full tour of the operations. So this is your interview of us. So we want you to ask as many questions as possible that, so that you leave here with a very clear understanding of not only what we do and how we do it, but why we do. What's our purpose? And once you leave here, go ahead and collect your thoughts and then shoot us an email and let us know what you think. That's kind of how open-ended we leave it. It's just, hey, we're going to give you this full tour. It lasts about an hour, right? Ask us as many questions as possible and then just go collect your thoughts and shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. And one of two things will happen. You know, one, we'll get this phenomenal, you know, essay in return from someone who says, I noticed this about your business. I noticed this about the people. I noticed this about your purpose. And this is something that I'm magnetically drawn to. And I want to be a part of the team and I'm going to be an asset to the business. And, you know, I'm ready for the call of duty. And then the other thing that'll happen is we'd never hear from him ever again, just like Doug, you know, who disappeared in the bathroom. And that's great because that saves us an enormous amount of time, energy, effort, wasted money, bringing the wrong type of people in the organization. So that one step in our interview process has, has, and we've been using it for 10 years now, has helped us make sure that we're bringing the right people on board. Because again, I mean, what we're doing is not glamorous. We're making phone calls all day, every day. And we're hiring a generation of talent that I don't know if you've ever heard any stereotypes, but millennials and Gen Z don't have the best reputation for being hard hard workers. But we've made it work because we made it very clear to them, this is what the expectations are. Are you ready to answer to the call to duty? And do you want to be a part of the team? And so those are the people coming through our front door. And when you get the right type of talent being magnetically attracted to your organization, you treat them the right way when they get there and they stick around a long time, mm-hmm. then you're going to guarantee that they're going to deliver world-class customer service to your, to your clients. And that world-class customer service translates into referrals, oh, customer yeah. attention, five-star reviews all that yeah five-star reviews all of it and and i'll draw another parallel between what you're describing and management and culture building and marketing what you really described is what in marketing terms we call the disqualification process and we Mm -hmm. we all have heard the notion of qualifying prospects in marketing and, and sales qualifying prospects but the smart marketers, the smart salespeople have processes in place to disqualify mm. the suspects, to, to make sure that those ones who, who won't be good, who will waste your time, who will, who will ask for a return, who will quit after the first, you know, uh, first session, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that, that they don't sign up in the first place. Yep. And when you apply that to the hiring processes you have, you you have a system in place, predictable, consistent, where you make sure that the only people who say, yep, I want to work here and who pass the gauntlet are the ones who are really clear on what they're getting into and, and what the benefits are. 
and what the values of the place are and what, and as you said, what they're, uh, what they can expect. And it, it's great news. You probably should celebrate that. I don't know what percentage of the people who go through the observation process don't come back, but when they don't, that's a victory. You, yeah. You dodged a bullet. Awesome. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And the the other thing I was thinking about as we were talking about world-class customer service is at, at my company, at one point, we decided to put the hours that our people spend on customer support into the marketing bucket for accounting purposes mm. because we viewed world-class customer service as a marketing function, not mm -hmm. as a business operation function. And, you know, that's just an accounting trick you know the numbers are, are the numbers but what we wanted to make clear to those people who were responsible for interfacing with with our clients is that you are just as responsible as anyone here for the bottom line for mm -hmm. keeping the money coming in for keeping the customers happy for getting those referrals for getting those five-star reviews and I know based on what you've said that the, the people at your company understand their purpose and their place and what they're doing. And that world, obviously, because you've, you've emphasized it so much, world-class customer service is a core business function, not just an afterthought. Oh, that's what we do when an unhappy customer picks up the phone to, to call us and to yeah. complain about something. So, um, you know, here's to you for, for, for putting all that in place. How can people find you, the websites, the resources that you offer, so that if they're fired up about what we've been talking about, they can take a next step? Yeah, certainly. So our uh, core business is Rockerbox. We do internet lead conversion for real estate professionals all across the country. And it's spelled a little strange. It's R-O-K-R-B-O-X. So rockerbox.com, shoot me an email, Josh at Rockerbox. We get that name from an old Rockerbox, which is a gold mining tool yeah. used to separate sand and gravel from gold. So that's what we do with people's internet leads. And then um, we also do some private consulting uh, for you know business leaders and entrepreneurs to help your core values come to life, to help streamline your processes and systems and create more profits and freedom in your business. And that's fivestarcompanyculture.com. So spelled out five, F-I-V-E, uh, starcompanyculture.com. And again, you can shoot me an email there as well, josh at fivestarcompanyculture. But yeah, we work with small business owners and uh, do some custom tailored consulting to uh, you know really create that freedom that you've been looking for in your business. So either way, reach out to me. I just want to add as well, I love how you articulated the, um, you know, the marketing expenses being involved in customer service. A lot of people, you know, I've been in, in lead conversion for 10 years solid here. And a lot of people, that's when they think of marketing there. It's, it's, oh, it's ads that drives traffic, that generates leads, and then you convert those leads into customers. But I've always said that the result of marketing is the way that you make people feel when they hear about your your, your brand. And so Amen. that's not only your existing customers, that's your existing employees, that's your past employees. It's it's what your brand represents. And so yeah, those those dollars, I mean, are you do you, is there some type of uh, you know, welcome gift that you send a new customer? Is there some type of a, a gift that you send someone for giving you a referral? You know, there's all sorts of different touch points. A lot of people are only thinking about the first half of the sales funnel. But it's the businesses that focus on the whole entire customer experience that create a very um, long-lasting brand. So I love how you articulate that as well. Yeah, right on, Josh. I, I couldn't agree more. I appreciate your feedback on that. And I appreciate everything you do. So Rockerbox with a K-R-B-O-X. That's and, right. R-O-K-R-B-O-X. And five-star 
companyculture.com. That's right. Companyculture.com. All that's going to be in the show notes. So if I, if I stumbled over that, don't worry, you'll find it in the show notes and Josh Cunningham. Thank you. Any parting thoughts before we go? You know, I think uh, it's just, it's obviously been one of my passions, you know, uh, again, being entrepreneurial at heart is you find a problem, you figure out how to solve it. But really what makes it a lot of fun, I'd say that our, our purpose here at Rockerbox is to move people forward. You know, it was fun because we first found a problem to help move people forward through the sales pipeline, but then actually getting to see the result that that work had on the lives that did it. You know, our clients got to accelerate the growth of their business, got to have more freedom uh, in their lives. And then, you know, the 400 plus you know, Texas A&M students that we've hired, they graduate with multiple job offers. They skip entry-level positions. They get promoted into management wherever they're going very quickly because they've mastered not only the fundamental skills, but they've you know, mastered the idea that you can create meaning and purpose behind the work that you do. And I'm sure you've heard yep. it a million times. You love what you do. You never work another day in your life. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much, Josh Cunningham. And, and for those of you who have watched or who have listened, I thank you as well for spending time with us, for tuning into the Story Power Marketing Show. If you liked what you heard or what you saw, please go to your platform, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Give a five-star review. That's the way that you can spread the love so that other people discover this podcast, discover Josh, discover the Story Power Marketing Show. You're spreading the love. You're letting them know that this was worth, uh, worth your time, worth their time. Also, for free resources regarding story power content, how to create content that captivates prospects and inspires them to act, go to storypowermarketing.com where you can get free downloads, sign up for the email list, uh, videos, everything to transform your content from prospect repelling to client attracting. Again, Josh Cunningham, thank you so much. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. We'll see everybody down the road. Thank you. Thanks again, Tom. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Yeah.